everyone. Thanks for tuning into the message podcast of French Church. My name is Alessandra. I'm one of the team members here, and we're so glad that you're joining us. It's been really encouraging to hear stories from people all over the country and the world who are listening in. We really hope that our messages are resonating with you. We also wanted to say thank you to those who are contributing to Friends Church. All of the things we're able to do, it's because of people who donate regularly. Even small, consistent gifts help a lot. If you haven't had the chance yet to give, I would encourage you to maybe think about doing that, especially if it's been beneficial in your own journey. To do that, it's really easy. Just go to our website, friendschurch.ca, and click on the Donate tab, or download our Friends Church app and click on the Give tab. Thank you so much for tuning in. Enjoy this week's message. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Friends Church, or wherever you're hosting Friends Church from. You're getting a look into my home office. Yes, in fact, for almost a year, this is, you've been looking at the stuffy collection, which are my sons, and the Captain America poster, which is mine. You know, it's interesting as we go through this pandemic, all the different skill sets we've picked up, including doing a video recording. We wouldn't be able to do this, though, without you. Without you, whether you're here or whether you're also watching virtually. Friends Church, as Kelty was saying just last week, and Josh has talked about, and so have I, runs because of us, because we're all willing to add to and contribute to what we believe is a great cause. I don't have any doubts. For myself, I look at how long we've been coming to Friends Church, and I'm a better person, I'm a better thinker, and I think more compassionate, depending on who you ask. And that's the reason that I keep contributing to Friends Church and the reason that I keep attending, whether that's in person or virtual. So again, the charitable donation team wants to say thank you. There's a couple different ways. If you haven't already sort of become part of our group of generous sponsors that you can just click, donate that way. There's a black box for those of you who are there physically. And I do look forward when the next normal is, whenever that's coming, hopefully soon, that we'll be able to see you again in person and have a chance to chit chat. I know you guys are in for a great morning. Have a terrific Sunday and thank you again for your kind support. I love that he admits that the poster is his. Isn't that good? <laughs> so I, we should do a poll who puts really personal things in their Zoom feed and who like manicures it so it looks perfect. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Friends Church. This has been a fantastic week to get ready for this morning. I, I hope that we're going to be able to bring everything that I've experienced to you guys today because this has been a truly experience-changing time for me. So that's what we're going to try and do today, and it's going to be around this idea of the emotion awe. But to explain awe to you, I thought instead of me talking, I want to introduce you to the person who made the newest member of Friends Church. So can we give Carly a big warm welcome? Good morning, Carly. Good morning. Take How's it going? Here. It's going good. Good. Very Thanks good. for coming up here today. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Hello, um, so really, much as we, you know, you're a mom now, so we, we care very deeply about you, but also the, the human that you made is a big deal, right? I'm basically a baby manager now. Can we throw up some pictures as we talk? There he is. Jeez, that kid is cute, huh? I'm even a baby person, and it's, that kid's... So I was going to rotate some pictures, so if they're not looking at us at all, 
yeah, they're just going to pay attention. Up It'll there. be you you'll have to worry about not looking. <laughs> okay, so focus. let's back up uh, a month. You were very pregnant at the time. Um, you had a whole plan of kind of how this birth experience was going to go. What was, like, what was your plan kind of leading up to his arrival? I really wanted it to be as like natural and um, my mindset going into labor was like this idea of surrender. And I really wanted to kind of surrender to the process that my body was made for. Um, so I was like, I'm going to do it all natural. I'm going to do it at home, like full hippie. Like it's going to be just... <laughs> Oh, natural, we're talking. And how did it go? I had a C-section in the hospital. It <laughs> <laughs> takes a left on that yeah. one, huh? Yeah, it was great. <laughs> but really, what, the reason I wanted to sh- you to come up and share your experience with us is because when I thought about this idea of awe, I thought of you meeting him for the first time. Do you remember the first time you saw him? Yeah. Can you tell I us a sure bit about do. that? Um, well, when we chatted, I talked about two moments. There was the first time that I saw him, and then the first time that we saw each other. Um, the first time I saw him, when you have a C-section, they have this like big curtain up. Um, and so they get him out, and then they drop the curtain, and they're like, here's your baby, and then he's kind of whisked away. So that here's your baby moment, he was just like this perfect little Buddha. Like he was big, he was nine pounds, five ounces, or nine pounds, six ounces. Um, but I just remember, like, I can remember every detail of his face being scrunched up. Like, he wasn't crying yet. And he was just this big pink Buddha being held like Simba to, towards me. Um, and then whoosh, he was gone. And how did it feel when you first saw him? Like, what, what was the emotions inside of you? It, it's so hard to describe, but it's like, there's no physical, emo- like, senses left. It's like just you and this emotion. I, like, and I do this because it's like that's what it feels like, this emotion at that time. The, the rest of the room where we were completely disappeared. It, it, it didn't exist to me anymore. It's just you and him. Yeah. Did you feel love for him already? Yeah, but not in a way that I expected before he, like... I grew him, so I, and I would talk to him, and, and, you know, like, I was like, I, you know, I love you, little baby, and we would ch- have little chats and stuff, but um, that moment where we saw each other was when the love for him completely was overwhelming, because it was like, he was here, and he was separate from me, and he knew who I, who I was. Oh, and I, really? I couldn't figure out how that was possible. Like, it was like <laughs> so tell us, so the first one they hand Simba, like, oh, yeah. yeah. So what was the second moment you remember? The second moment was after we had left the operating room, we were in recovery, he was kind of over on this side, about where Kylo was away, okay. um, on this little weight. And my midwife was over there doing stuff. And I kind of looked over and I said, hi, baby, you're here. And I could see something in his face eyes in his face changed like he recognized my voice and in that moment I was like oh my god he knows who I am (laughs) like I'm his mom (laughs) and it was it was crazy it was unlike anything I'd ever because I in up here I knew what I was doing I knew what my body was doing I could you know like I even studied the science of it I like understood what had happened but it, it was like in that moment, there was this huge gap between what I understood up here and what I felt in the moment. There was an awe, I think, is a perfect word for what that gap is. Because it was like the things that I understood in my head. Just the feeling was so much more. Yeah. yeah. 
When you, you said runners, you started going like this. Is that how it, like, is that where you feel that feeling towards him? Yeah. And it's very, it's very accessible, I find, is like the uh, most, like it's, it's right here. Right. It's, like, <laughs> it's, yeah. The thing that made, as I looked through awe, what I found so fascinating was there's this side of awe that's wonder. You know, you've met your new human being. He recognized your voice and you guys are <laughs> getting emotion even thinking about it, aren't you? But there's also this, the fragility of it. Like, does, do you ever have this moment where you're thinking like, I'm responsible for this human being and like he's pretty fragile yeah shortly after the wonder followed fear (laughs) there was innate fear in that moment as well because it was like he he's so i mean he was big but he's still a baby yeah you know he's still so fragile and and i people talk about all the time my dad says all the time like they don't come with a manual (laughs) but like when you leave the hospital, you're like, now what? Now, I'm just supposed to take care of this thing forever? Make sure it doesn't die? Like, that seems like a lot of responsibility for like, I don't know, man. But it's, um, you know, I, I think that there's two parts of that. There's a fear like of just the basics of having to keep it alive. Right. But also I think it's exposing in a way. And I, when Alessandra was singing What a Wonderful World, I thought of that line, um, I see babies cry, I watch them grow. They'll learn much more than I'll ever know. And I think that that's an exposing part as well, is that you have this responsibility to create them in, in some way and to, to add to their personality in different ways. And, um, but at the same time, like, they are going to be so... Like, the idea is for them to stand on your shoulders. Um, and that can be an, that can be exposing because you might see stuff in them that you put there that you don't like, yeah, <laughs> you know. So, as you sit back in your experience, which memory is the one that's going to stand out with you know forever when you you know when Ezra comes home and he's done something he shouldn't have done or gets a bad mark in school? What's the what's the moment kind of that first moment? Which one do you think is going to stick in your heart and you're going to be like that second one? That second yeah. one where you said hi and he looked at you and he knew you. Yeah. Uh, I love that. And it happens now daily. I mean, there's little moments like that now that happen daily that I'm sure throughout parenthood will continue. But that first one is so, it's seared. It's seared in here, which is so much better than being seared up there. Folks, can we give Carly a big round of applause? Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for sharing that. (laughs) Isn't that kid cute? Jeez. You know, as I studied awe, at first, I started with this idea of awe was wonder. It's just a synonym. You know, when we feel wonder for something, then we feel awe. But there's something in her story and something as I explored awe. Wonder plus fear is awe. If you don't have a little, that tinge of fear, it doesn't always need to be, you know, blood curdling, I'm going to, you know, lose my mind fear. But that hint of fear. Think of standing in front of a massive mountain. You know, the, the, the face is, you know, however many thousands of meters tall. There's a, there's a tinge of fear there, isn't there? Suddenly I feel this big. Normally in my life I think, oh, I'm, you know, I'm kind of the center of my universe until I sit in front of a mountain that big and suddenly I think, wow, I am just a speck on the speck of a speck in this world. And so I feel the, the wonder of something that big tied with the fear of, feeling that small. 
So let me ask you, where have you experienced awe in your life? Just take a second. It could be the birth of a child. You know, the first time you you say, hey, buddy, and he looks at you and he knows you. Could be out in nature. When I was doing this with my coach, his first thought was, oh, man, I went to Niagara Falls, and you're sitting under the falls, you can feel them vibrating the ground. Where do you feel that sense of awe? Just try and hold that in your heart today. Carly, you saw she always went like this, right? That's where awe lives for her. Find a feeling of awe that connects, that's part of your experience. And if you're open to it, I want to invite you to hold that feeling of awe in your heart. The band's going to play a song. I'm going to have a slideshow of things that create awe for me. And here's the, the thing that I want you to try and do. Hold that feeling of awe for as long as you can. Don't let it go. Hold it in your heart as long through the song as you can, and we're going to come back and talk a bit more about it. How'd you all do? Oh, yeah. Let's give them a round of applause. So, normally I let you guys sit there quietly, but let's try this. If you could hold on to awe, give me a nod. If you're like, well, it was a little hard, give me one of these. If it didn't work at all, how'd it go? Have you thought about why it might be hard to hold on to awe? It's kind of a big emotion, isn't it? Wonder plus fear. (laughs) There's some intensity to that. One of the things I was thinking about for this message is the fear component often needs something new. The familiar doesn't create that fear, and so that's why you can experience something once, but if you go back over and over again, after a while you kind of have this feeling like, me. Those mountains, me. Right now, we've had an unprecedented time of not having new things in our lives, right? We're stuck at home. We're not seeing new things. And so awe feels like it's on the the downward spiral. I was out in the mountains yesterday dirt biking, and we got to the top of one ridge, and it kind of just opens up, and you see probably two mountain ranges. And to me, I don't know. I'm a sucker for mountains, so that just instantly goes to wonder And then I started thinking about what could create that. And again, it makes that small, (laughs) Vince's very small feeling, which is nice because when I feel like I'm the center of my universe, my life doesn't go that well. So why do I want you to connect with awe? This whole series has been around connecting with emotions. Why do we care? Just because I feel awe and you don't feel awe, who cares, right? So let me tell you a story. To me, ideas are really powerful, so let me put this into kind of a a story idea. Let's take Ezra. So that's Carly's son. Did we ever say his name? His name's Ezra. Welcome, Ezra. Let's picture Ezra. He's maybe two years old now, and he's outside running around, and he gets his first ladybug on the tip of his finger. And you'll never see a a small child experience that. You know, they they go down there like, you can just see their faces are just like, And it's like literally the smallest thing, and it's on the tip of their finger. And they're just like freaking out, like, what is that? What is that? And then it it hops and flies up to their hand, and then they freak out. They're like, ah! You know, this small little bug is going to somehow kill me? Wonder tinged with fear? 
Now just imagine you're in that moment with them. Ezra's right here. He's hanging out. He's running around. Mom's, I don't know, having a coffee someplace, whatever. Um, And so you're with him. How do you handle that moment with him? He's got wonder all day long, right? He's got fear. He's, this thing is going to attack him. And so his, his off is off the charts. And he's going like, look, look, look. How do you respond? In times past, this is how I would have responded. Yeah, dude, that's a ladybug. That was my best answer, right? Some of you might have got a little bit better and be like, yeah, it's a ladybug. You're probably not going to die from it, buddy. Cool off. Relax. Can you feel what would happen to his awe when we respond in that way? How many of us have had a moment where we expressed an emotion with someone we loved or cared about and they responded like that to us? We're excited we're angry, we're scared, we're sad, we feel awe. And their response is, yeah, it's a ladybug, get over it. Can you feel that hurt inside of us? Much of our counseling departments are handling those moments in our lives where somebody bids, we bid, and someone just shot us down. In this whole series, we've talked about this idea of bids as we share something with someone and we're looking for them to turn towards us, to engage in that bid with us. Now, they can also turn away. That's what I did. Like Ezra's with his little ladybug and I just walk away. Like, how lame is that? Or I can turn against them, which is what I did, and it's like, Dude, it's a ladybug. Suck it up. It's not going to kill you. It's like this big. Can you feel the energy of how these bids work? The whole idea of this series is we feel an emotion, and when our person in our life responds with the same emotion, we have the best connection. And if we respond in any other emotion, or even a less emotion. So I, I bid with awe here, and you respond with like this much awe, like just the smallest amount of awe. What will happen is our brains will see you as a threat. So think about this in your relationships with your kids, your partners, your friends, your colleagues. They come in with this bid of whatever emotion, and we come in with something not even close to what they're doing. Can you feel that energy of how gross that feels? And so we said, if Friend Church is about making the world around us a little bit better, what if we could respond to people's bids beautifully? Ezra, little ladybug. (gasps) I'm his babysitter. First, never let me babysit him, but let's just say you let me. Unsupervised with a child. Oh, jeez. Ezra's right. Oh, he got oh, like fear, it's wonder and fear, and the thing jumps. And what if I came in with, dude, that's incredible. Oh, we just jumped. What would he do? He would keep going, right? We'd have this back and forth. Look at it. You see how it builds. Next time he found something with awe, he'd run over, grab it, come running back to me, and be like, Vince, Vince, I got a snake now. Look at this. I got a worm, right? (laughs) That's how this happens. And you can see it in a little child is easy. But the reality is we're still doing it as adults. 
We're a little bit more subtle. It's no more ladybug on the finger. But we're doing it. And we have a choice now. We can respond beautifully to the bids in our lives. Create this incredible connection with the people in our lives. Or we can shut it down. As we've done this last two series, I've realized how often I've shut it down. Does it kind of hit that same feeling for you? Someone's excited and you came with like a meh, angry, and you're like, why are you angry? You shouldn't be angry. If we want to make the world around us a little bit better, I think this is a beautiful way to do it. The number of bids that go back and forth in our lives through a day is incredible when you can start to see them. And we either bring love to those moments or we bring pain. Now here's the problem. Some of us struggle with certain emotions. Me and sadness are not friends. Like, I don't know what happened in, well actually I do know what happened in, I paid my counselor enough to figure out what happened in my childhood to know why I am not a fan of sadness. When someone bids with sadness, it usually looks like this with me. Okay, we're going to sadness. Okay, here we go, here we go. And then it feels like I've been in sadness for like three days when I really have been there for about four seconds. Anyone resonate with certain emotions where it's just like, oh gosh, anger, I cannot do anger. Or awe. You know, as I said, can you connect to awe? And some of you are kind of going like this. And some of you are like, no. What happens when someone in your life bids with awe? And you can't get to awe. How are you going to turn towards the bid? That's why we're doing the work here to try and open ourselves up to these emotions. To be able to feel awe so that we can turn towards that bid. Does it make sense why we're doing this work? And why I'm asking you to feel emotions over and over and over again. Because I want, what did Carly say? The emotion's right here. That's what I want for us all. So I'm going to give you the step one way of properly answering a bid with love. Someone bids with awe. Little child. Ladybug on her finger. (gasps) Check the ladybug out. It's crazy. They're freaking out because it's jumping, right? Now, you might not be able to get to awe from that that moment because you're not feeling awe there. But here's what you do to hijack the system. You take a second and you think back to that mountain or that birth story or the, the waterfall or whatever it is that creates awe in your heart. You bring that memory up and then you respond with that feeling in your heart. And you know what will happen? The person will read the right connection with you. Isn't that cool? You don't need to be the same and everyone feels the same emotion about everything. What you can do is you can take what's unique to you, bring the emotion into your heart, and respond. So parents, when your kid's sad about whatever, chances are you're not sad about that. But there's sadness inside of you. If you bring the emotion up and respond, it'll work. 
Now, some of you, this feels really dirty, right? Because it feels like dishonest, like I'm manufacturing feelings. And I get it. For some of you, your skill set is being in the moment. But here's the thing. If someone feels something and we don't feel the same thing about that moment, our only option is to manufacture the feelings. Or we turn away from the people we love. I don't know about you, but I don't want to do that. So, that feeling of awe, can you bring it to your mind? Can you bring it into your heart? For me, again, the mountain picture. (gasps) I had someone reach out to me recently. And what was so striking about the way they reached out is they were talking about something that I knew they felt awe about. But they weren't expressing awe with me. Have you ever had this? Someone you know, they're excited about something or they're scared about something, but when they tell you, they tell you really matter of fact. Why do you think they're doing that? I know why this person did that, because they know that I don't believe what they believe, and what they're feeling awe about was their beliefs. They're very religious people. And they have a conception of God that brings them profound senses of awe. And so when they normally send me something, they would send me something that says, God did this. God healed me. God saved me. God did this magical thing. Instead, what they sent to me was, doctor doesn't want to see me anymore. I'm okay. Because they know I won't respond with awe. Does anyone find that troubling in your life when people stop bidding because you haven't responded well? When your kids are excited about something and they don't want to share it with you. Your partner's just giving you the facts of the day. This happened, then this happened, then this happened. Your colleague has a home run and instead of coming to your office and saying, this is what happened, they just kind of send out an email, hey, we got the contract. If that's part of your life, chances are it's because you're not responding with the right emotions. But what happens when someone bids with an emotion of awe, but connected to a belief system that I don't buy into? Praise the Lord, you know, God gave me a parking spot. I was healed. Anyone have these experiences? (laughs) My coach wrote when he was talking through this, he's like, yeah, this is a trigger moment. You should put a trigger warning on this stuff. Because there's this sense that people experience God in different ways than I do. How do we respond? Stage one is we bring up awe, and then we experience you know, our section of awe. So I think about the mountains, and then I go, oh wow, that's really beautiful that God healed you. But there's a stage two for us if we're open to it. So here's the second part. If you were able to get the first part where you could feel awe, here's what I want to invite you to do. Open yourself up to something more. We often use the word connect to something more than. Instead of using the word God, I'll say more than. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to open us up. 
Not because we figured out God and you know, our conception of God is right, but because there's something about being here that we want to do something more than just a science class, right? More than just you know, physics and chemistry and astrology, or astronomy, not astrology. <laughs> Oops. So think about your conception of God or the more than or the divinity, whatever that means to you. And for some of you, it might mean nothing. For some of you, you might have a very clear picture of what that is. And here's what I want you to do. Just be willing for a second to sit in that picture and then try and go a little bit deeper into that. Make that picture a bit more powerful. Add a bit more wonder to it. Even a little bit of fear. Explore or open yourself up to this idea of God as an entity. To me, that one's still like, I'm not sure if I can get there. Or God as a creator. Or God as a healer. Can you feel the edge of fear there? It's kind of like, I don't want to go there. I've had bad experiences. Just take a deep breath and try and settle into that expansion. Something more. We're at a church because we're looking for something more, not just science. And so as the band plays this next song, this is a song Alessandra wrote. You'll recognize it. She's going to play it really differently. But it's her exploration of widening out her conceptions of God, making them bigger, letting herself feel into awe. And I want to encourage you, if you're open to it, as she sings this song, just let yourself open. Go someplace bigger. That had some power, didn't it? How is the connection to awe there? Were you able to open yourself up to something a bit, a bit more? In some of the spaces as she was singing, I could kind of feel myself just relaxing a little bit into it. It's not easy. A couple years ago, my wife and I were in um, Puerto Vallarta. I didn't realize that diving on that side, scuba diving on that side of the ocean is bloody cold. The opposite side of the world, totally toasty. That side of the world, the top like 20 feet, nice and warm. As soon as you get below that, ungodly cold. So for some reason, we decided to go diving that week because I didn't know this. So the guy brought out seven mil wetsuits. Just as a side note, if anyone ever invites you to go scuba diving and gives you a seven mil wetsuit, just say no. Just go grab a beer, sit on the beach, enjoy yourself. It's not going to be fun. So we're diving along. We dive past, they call it a thermocline. It's like the warm water, cold water. Thermocline, freezing cold. Like so ungodly cold. And we're swimming along and they said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to swim around this area, but don't go over there because there's a trench that drops a mile down. So of course I went over there. (laughs) But there is this vastness in the ocean that when you swim over something that's a mile deep, it, I don't know what it, it, awe? Yeah, awe. Maybe fear and awe, but definitely awe. 
the sense of the vastness and the depths of the ocean and how it doesn't really care about me. I'm this little guy with a little tank on my back with little bubbles. It can snuff me out like this. Which is why when I think about awe in the connection of the Bible, there's one story that comes to mind. It's a bunch of students in a little wooden boat in the sea. And in my brain, they're over that trench a mile down. Feels a little bit nerve-wracking already, doesn't it? They're rowing, but there's a storm blowing in. And the storm is so strong that it's blowing them where they don't want to go, over the deeper, scarier parts of the ocean. This isn't a you know, Titanic-sized boat. This is a little dinghy, a little wooden boat. They're rowing for all they're worth. They're not getting anywhere. They're getting blown wherever they want to get blown. They're freaking out. You know, the, the, the rain's batting in and the wind's blowing in and they're, they're trying to control it. But, you know, as they look, they look out into the, 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 I guess, the sea, across the sea. It's dark. They can't see anything. But they see a shape out in the distance. If you're on a boat over top of a mile deep trench in a storm and you see a shape out on the water, what are you thinking? They're thinking ghost. Oh great, not only are we gonna drown, now there's a ghost out here. Like, geez, what else can we happen? And as the ghost comes closer, what they realize is it's actually Jesus, their teacher, walking on the water. Now before you say to me, Vince, dude, people don't walk on water, that's not a thing. There's this thing called physics, it doesn't work that way. The walking on water is actually a quote from a much earlier story, probably a thousand years earlier. Can you throw it up for me, Chantel? This is the quote, for God is so wise and so mighty, whoever has challenged God successfully. Without warning, God moves the mountains, overturning them in their anger. They shake the earth from its place and its foundations tremble. If God commands that the sun won't rise and the stars won't shine, God alone has spread out the heavens and marches on the waves of the sea. Now this is a very early conception of God. And chances are, we don't all share this. But did you see that last line? You throw up once more, Chantel. Marches on the waves of the sea. God is walking on water. And so when we're back to the, the story of the students in the boat over top of the trench of depth of, you know, scary inky blackness, and the storm's blowing in, and they see Jesus walking on water, a reading of the story says this is what they're seeing. A conception of God that is bigger more wonderful, and more scary. What do you do when you're confronted with a conception of God that is bigger and more wonderful and scarier? I tend to want to shrink. It's too much, too big. I don't want to deal with that. That whole thing, you know, something more than... Someone said to me the other day, if I can't conceive of God in my head, I don't want anything to do with God. And I thought, yeah, but wait. 
Don't we want something more? And so in an act of openness, one of the disciples, his name's uh, Peter, steps out of the boat. Metaphorically, what it's saying is he steps into a new conception of God that's bigger than the one he had before. More vast, more powerful, more scary, more wonderful, more awe. And the story asks us, would we be willing to do that? Not because this conception of God is right and true and we figured God out. That's not what I'm getting at at all. But would we be open to conceiving of God as more than what we have now? There's another beautiful story by a guy named C.S. Lewis. It's a series called Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Anyone know it? Oh, I love that one. C.S. Lewis is playing with conceptions of God and his God is in the character Aslan which is a talking lion. Of course it's a talking lion. But in a world of talking animals, he puts God in the conception of a talking lion, but it's very important what happens. Can you throw that up for me, Chantel? So this is one of the characters in the story talking to another character. Mr. Beaver, uh, it's a beaver that talks, it's just how it works, says Aslan is a lion, the great lion, uh, sorry, Oh, says Susan. Now, Susan's somebody who's new to this world. Her conception of God is quite small. She says, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe. He's wild, you know. Not like a tame lion. How much of our lives do we live in tame lion land? How much of our spirituality is tame lion land? Would we be open to something like a wild lion? That doesn't have to be your old school conception of God that you grew up with that you hated. It could be something that's maybe a connection between us or a sense or an intuition that you feel towards another human being. It could have to do with power or fear or this sense of, you know, when I'm, when I'm nervous and I, I'm worried about what's going to happen, there's something going to protect me. Are you open to that wildness? When I talked to Alessandra about this message and she picked some songs, she picked this one. And the song is actually about the story of the disciples on the water. It talks about this idea of conception of God. This is, I am yours and you are mine. I'm out on the water. Things are unknown. But I'm open. I'm open to a conception that's bigger and wider. We started off with feeling awe towards easy things, kids, mountains. We used the song Glimpse to widen us out a little bit more to say, could we be open to something more? But here's the last one. If you're open, as they sing this last song, sink into a deeper conception. Not because it's true, but because it creates awe. We've been on a bit of a journey today. My question for you is this. Next time you see a person with a ladybug on their finger in awe, 
How are you going to handle it? Do you have a memory you can bring up that says, oh, I know that feeling. I can connect to that feeling. I can resonate that with you. The person in my life who reached out and said, hey, this is the facts of my life, and they completely didn't talk about the religious awe that they felt. How are you going to handle that moment? The people in your life who bid with awe through things like praise the Lord and God does this and God doesn't do that and all the things that maybe you don't buy into or that you've been hurt by. Are you able to get to awe even when you don't share their religious beliefs? It took me two weeks, two weeks of like wrestling and talking myself through and being like, Vince, you're preaching a message on this. You've got to do this right. You can't screw this up. Or you're just going to have to send them another story that, you know, you screwed something up. They wrote me back, hey, the doctor doesn't want to see us anymore. My cancer's not an issue. And I wrote back, PTL. Praise the Lord. Sorry, I can feel that one. That was a stretch for me. And yet I want something bigger in my life. Do you? Or do you want something that's just, you know, what I can conceive of in my brain? You know me, people. I'm a thinker. I get ideas. The reason I asked the band to play behind me is because they can make us feel things. That's why there's tears in the room right now. Wouldn't it be amazing to live in a world where we have awe, even in our spirituality? That's what I want to leave you with. A challenge to be open to awe, not only in the ladybug case, but in all of your life, even in those moments where someone bids through a spirituality or a religion that you don't buy into. Can you see the awe underneath the words and respond beautifully? That's my prayer for me more than anything, and I hope it's my prayer for you too. Have a great week, everybody. You know what, next week Jeff's gonna come back and do fear. It's gonna be fantastic. Can we give the band a huge round of applause?